The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily stand to reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 15th of May, 2021. I'm your host, Bad Billy. Great show lined up for you this week. Yes, in just a little bit, you're going to hear an interview that I conducted with Kyle Bulduck of a band called Lydia Can't Breathe. They're out of Florida. In the second hour, you're going to hear an interview that I conducted with Nate Sylvester who's an Idaho police officer who uh, made himself very famous on TikTok, making fun of LeBron James. You get to hear from him. And in the third hour, there uh, is no news of the weird since uh, Chris uh, is unable to join this week, but I am joined by Stephen James for some combat sports discussion, actually uh, reaching into the history books. Anyway, before I get to all that, I want to cue one of the latest singles from Lydia Can't Breathe, this is called Sheep. And I'll be back with the interview with Kyle right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. And now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio.
thrill seeker rocking out to the station i hear you you're probably even sipping on a drink right now an average blah blah drink in a can or bottle one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you i'll bet you want something different don't you something more take your shot with cold cock whiskey the best whiskey anywhere why because it's different from other liquors cold cock whiskey is herbal whiskey 100 all natural herbs blended with aged american whiskey no more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there worth more than you. And I'm not talking about money. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. You can lead a horse to water, but Sarah Jessica Parker prefers gin and tonic. Ooh, is that Mr. Holland? Yes, please have a seat as we review your whole facts. Speak up, because you can. Your mind is a powerful tool, and so is your freedom of speech. So use it. It's what separates you from being a number to being an individual. Thoughts, beliefs, opinions, it's what makes you, you. Stand proud and say it loud. Know your rights. Know your freedom to speak. This message is brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters, Education Foundation, and the Broadcast Education Association. First, there was Cracked Up Live. This is Cranked Up Live. Then, Cranked Up went country. Today's best and tomorrow's greats. Cranked Up Country. Now, Cranked Up Live is back. This is a sizzling hot podcast. Cranked Up Live. Curtis McKinney and Brad Hennington will keep you listening, keep you laughing, and keep you coming back for more. Convicted felons will no longer be called 
convicted felons. Do you know what they want to call them, Curtis? <laughs> no. Justice involved the individuals is what they renamed them. Listen and download the podcasts at crankeduplive.com. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash crankeduplive. Cranked up live. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. Hey, I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Sheet by Lydia Can't Breathe, and it is my pleasure to welcome their lead singer, Kyle Bolduck, to the show. Kyle, how you doing, brother? Good. How are you, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining the show. So for those who were not uh, familiar with uh, Lydia Can't Breathe, why don't you give the listeners a little bit of background, tell the listeners about the band. Um, we're based out of uh, Central Florida, uh, basically like hard rock, multi-genre uh, metal band, I guess you would say. Uh, it's got clean vocals and growls. Um, we, uh, we've been playing for over a decade. Uh, we've toured all over the U S. Um, you know what I mean? Pretty much done the thing for a while. And, uh, we just now started working with like some big name, like, uh, producers, um, up at like the audio compound with, uh, Andy, uh, Karpovic and, uh, Andrew Wade. Um, to do the the sheep uh, single that you guys just listened to. Oh, very nice, very nice. Yeah, I was seeing I was seeing that online a little bit. You've been around since uh, two thousand five, so so yeah, roughly about uh, sixteen years. You've been doing this. That's that's amazing. It's amazing. So I got to ask, where does the name Lydia can't breathe? Where does that come from? Uh, it's actually a Winona Ryder's character from Beetlejuice. Uh-huh. Um, and we had to think of like, we had to think of like a band name to be on a flyer in like a week. So we were just like watching a bunch of movies and like, uh, eating mushrooms actually, me and my guitar player. <laughs> and yeah, we, uh, we basically like, he started like laughing so hard that he was like, I can't breathe. And I was just like, no, Lydia can't breathe. And that's like uh, Winona Ryder's character, you know, in the movie or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, so she's, yeah, she's like kind of the outcast in the movie. And I thought we were, but I was also, you know, ate a bunch of mushrooms and we just kind of <laughs> stuck with it. Yeah. You know, I smoked some good weed in my day, but I never had decent mushrooms. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like to smoke every day. It like keeps, keeps me going through for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the single that uh, we just played, uh, Sheep, that's very, very interesting, you know, because I was listening to the lyrics. And uh, where would you say the inspiration for that song comes from? Um, it's. I mean, it's kind of, uh, we actually wrote the song three years ago, so it was for the pandemic. Uh and it was, uh, we were like, it just kind of fell into place that it's kind of like what's going on, like in a nutshell. But the song's basically about how like uh, social media and the media and like electronic devices are like running the world and controlling everybody's thoughts and how 
we're hoping that like people will wake up and realize what's going on and uh, start paying attention to more of what they should be doing rather than what they're told to be doing. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's kind of the message in the song. Yeah, there was a bit of a political feel to that, you know, and I, I do often talk politics on this show, but not with uh, not with musicians, of course, unless they bring it up. But, uh, you know, and it, it sounds like it's, to me, it's both a uh, message to both the left and the right. Say, say, hey, wake up, you know, this this is what's really going on. Yeah, trying to make people aware of, you know what I mean, what we believe is, we strongly believe is going on. And I feel like it's just like uh, people are so busy with their day to day that they don't really have time to do more than what they're told or what they're fed or shown. You know what I mean? So that's why it's like uh, different underground bands and like people that, you know what I mean, have views like that, I think are uh, sprinkled in everywhere, you know what I mean, throughout the, the world or whatever. You know, it, it's very interesting you say that, too, because uh, there was something uh, Albert Einstein said uh, before he passed away, and, and it's been made into a meme that's, uh, that's gone viral over the last few years. Um, basically, uh, what, what he said to quote him was, I fear the day that technology will surpass our human interaction, the world will have a generation of idiots. And uh, mm. with the meme on it, of course, it's a it's a bunch of people staring at their phones dur- during daily activities. Yeah, that's pretty much what's going on now. It's evolved to that, and everyone relies on their phone to give them all their answers, so they have uh, no common sense. You know what I mean? Well, it's see, pretty heavy. See, because yeah, Albert Einstein said this shortly after World War II, when television finally hit the market, to, and uh, you know. People were watching a bunch of television for the first time, and that's when he said that. Of course, it didn't it didn't really come true for for that theory there. But uh, had he known what was happening today, <laughs> you know, he kind of seen though probably into the future of what it was going to evolve to be, and he was like, "Oh man, people are already locking in on these TV things." Once someone with a higher power figures out that they can get people to you know, manipulate their message through this. And everyone has one of these in their homes. He was probably just, you know what I mean? The way he thought like was ahead of his time. And that's probably what, you know what I mean? That's what Mm -hmm. I would think he was thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it seems like, you know, the song sheep is just an extension, a little bit of what he said, of course. Yeah. I wish I was that smart. Uh, You're the first person that told me about the, you know, the, that he had actually had that view or whatever, but that's a uh, good knowledge. Hey, he said, it's, it's, sometimes, uh, you know, you'd, you'd, you do the good deeds and you don't even know it. And, and that, that is a great <laughs> song too. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. Now, of course I'm listening uh, to, to your songs here and, uh, um, the feel I get is, uh, I kind of get the new metal feel to it. Like, uh, Limp Biscuit, Corn. um, you know stuff that came out uh, in the mid, early to mid '90s, and uh, I got to tell you, I I miss that era. I, lo- I love that era. You know, that's uh, pretty much the '90s is where I grew from a boy to a man. And so you were rocking out then back <laughs> then. 
I mean, I, I miss the '80s too, though. There was good shit coming out from the '80s too. Oh man, wonderful stuff from the '80s. Are you kidding yes. me? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, but uh, it's, it's like you know, I mean, I'll never forget how uh, Run DMC teamed with Aerosmith the first time they combined uh, oh, rap yeah. rap with Walk heavy metal, this way, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was Walk This Way. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, and then. Uh, Anthrax with uh, Public Enemy with Bring the Noise was even better, if you ask yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, definitely more aggressive, yeah. More aggressive and underrated because you don't hear about it as much, yeah. unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I get, you know, I kind of get the Limp biscuit feel when I listen to your music. Uh, but what would you say is are uh, your main influences are? Um, I listened to a lot of like Slipknot for like new age, but I was like a big, like, uh, eighties rock metal fan. Um, you know what I mean? I listen to all kinds of genres, but I definitely listen to some rap. Um, and we do have like the rap parts in it, like kind of rap core, like new metal, whatever you want to call it. But we also have like, uh, like pretty, uh, progressive, like avant garde, like breakdowns and, uh, musical changes. Um, you know what I mean? To where it's not just like one genre, I guess the whole song, you know, sometimes it'll have like uh, a couple different parts that are different, like genres in one song. But yeah, uh, yeah definitely. I'd have to say a lot of my influences from like a lot of those bands. That's when I was a teenager was like the mid nineties, uh, like early two thousands. You know what I mean? So like, that's when I was listening to, you know, the corn, the Limp biscuit, like Slipknot, all that, you know what I mean? Like you were saying, uh, Deftones, you know what I mean? So that's a lot of what, uh, I was brung up on, but now I listen to like, uh, newer progressive stuff, like between the buried and me, like, uh, ginger, you know what I mean? Like something that's a, like a little bit more new age, like metal and stuff. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Of course, uh, the, the era I miss uh, from from the eighties probably like uh, the power metal from like uh, bands like uh, Man of War. I I really yeah, miss that dude, stuff. that's so funny, Man of War. There's a there's a guy from where I live that was like I want to say like their drummer or something like that. Uh, Kenny Rhino or something like that. Is that one of the dudes that was in the band? I honestly. I I honestly can't remember who, who I mean, it was last year. I'm pretty year. sure, dude. Yeah, yeah, like every time I like, I've worked with him, everyone's like, yo, that guy was in Man of War. Like, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure. He's like an old rocker that lives around here, dude. I'm telling you. I'll, That's funny. I'll tell you, though, um, I didn't know until after it was done, but my first tattoo artist was the former drummer of Exodus. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. <laughs> I'm like, that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Thrash metal to its finest right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it seems like, you know, some of those days are gone. And, and then that new metal uh, genre that I was just talking about, too, that's that's like slowly fading out and, and being forgotten. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, you know, obviously they're ushering in, in the new era, but... Uh, Damn, you know, it's like you you can't forget those guys because especially those like Corn, who I don't think they'll ever be forgotten, of course, and Limp Biscuit, you don't really hear much from them anymore, but they helped they were one of the founders, you know, that that brought in that style at the time. So, you know, they can't be forgotten and I and I strongly believe that uh, if you're going whether you're a music lover or a musician, 
you you have to have a feel for all different genres to really appreciate everything. Even if uh, your your main focus is one particular genre, there's still other ideas you can take. Uh, you, you know, even for for uh, you, you know, you you may not be a fan of country. I don't know, but there you can listen to a country song. You can take an idea from it and make it your own. Yeah, even the song structure, or even just the idea of the song, like you know what I mean, what the song's about. Of course, you got to be open minded. I, I definitely agree upon that. I don't listen to too much country, but I definitely think there's there's got to be a well written country song out there. <laughs> I mean, you can yeah, you can take it, take the lyrics, take the message, whatever, and mold it into your own within your own genre. Yeah. And exactly, exactly, yeah. So. I got to ask too. I mean, I, I haven't had a lot of people from Florida on my show. When I first started the show, I was living up in Northeast Ohio. And, uh, that, whereas I don't miss the, the wintertime up there, I, I certainly miss the local music scene that, that came out of there. And there's, there's a decent one where I'm living now here in Idaho. But uh, overall, how would you best describe the local music scene, uh, in, in Florida? Uh, it's pretty good. Um, I want to say that metal isn't, you know, hard rock isn't the biggest genre, but uh, we've played down here for long enough to where, like, we usually have some pretty good shows. Um, and all the fans, you, you know, we know a lot of them because we've been playing here for over a decade. So a lot of the same faces is, you know, been coming out to shows for over 10 years. So we become like, you know, we have like our own little family down here for sure. Um, I, I personally, you know, like a lot of the other younger bands and we've played with a lot of bands all over mm -hmm. the state and worked mm -hmm. with a lot of, you know, the good promoters to where we're not really booking shows with people that don't know how to throw mm -hmm. shows, I guess, if you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I don't get that, a uh, bad taste mm -hmm. in my mouth down here for sure. Yeah. You know, I got to tell you, I'll tell you this really quick. I mean, when I was in my uh, early 20s and Marilyn Manson uh, first burst out on the scene, I fucking hated Manson when they first started. But as, as I've gotten older, I love a lot of the shit they do. So um, it was uh, when I was running this show, uh, Halloween 2019, I was uh, talking to another publicist. And I said, you know, it's Halloween shows coming up. I got to I got to have some somebody kind of weird, you know, some somebody out there. It's Halloween. It's, so she, this is the last time I had a Florida band, I believe, on my show. So she suggested uh, Sean Chain of Sister Kill Cycle. And mm, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I, I loved, I loved it. Great. It turned out to be a great interview, and some of the shit yeah. you said was really funny too. Yeah, yeah, I. He's a little off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, uh, overall, I I love the way they sound, though. And I mean, you ever have yeah. a, you have a chance to share the stage with them at all? I want to say we have played a festival with them on it. I really do think that I I feel bad, you know what I mean, not really knowing. But usually, uh, I want to say we played like Metal in the Mountains or something like up in Virginia, and they played. I really think so. Or it was another festival, but. Usually those nights there's like twenty or thirty bands, so I don't think we really like kicked it, kicked it. You know what I mean? We just basically uh, have crossed paths. If not, we might have. I, I know that I've you know seen them on a bill that we've played on. You know what I mean? I just can't recall. I want to say it was Metal in the Mountains. 
that's really what I think it was. Yeah. Oh, you say Virginia? Yeah, that's the area they're they're originally from anyway, and then they moved to Florida. So. Okay, maybe yeah. that is it then. <laughs> yeah, and you've you've been in Florida your whole life, I take it. Uh, pretty much. I was like a military brat. I was actually born in California. Oh. Um, and then I, yeah, I moved over to, uh, Germany for a little bit. And then I lived in Arizona for a little bit, but I've lived in Florida for like 25 years, I want to say. And I'm like 36. So that means <laughs> that, uh, I've been here for a lot of it. I've got, I mean? I've got 10 years on you. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you say you've done, you done some touring, of course. I mean, so, so have you ever made it up this way here to Idaho as well to perform? Yeah, I played a festival out in Idaho, actually. Um, they used to do it. It's like Black River or Black something up there. Hmm. Um, and they used to throw a festival. Um, they had a Asking Alexandria up there and then i've actually played the gemini club i don't know if you know where that is i have um, i never heard of it to be honest with you i mean but uh yeah depends on where it is gemini. too idaho you're saying idaho right yeah you know, like idaho falls i want to say i played idaho falls yes oh, that's know, yeah where you're at yeah that's about uh two and a half hours east of me i'm i'm actually uh near uh, not too far the uh nevada northern nevada border Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is both of those venues are up there, and they got a decent little. They had a really cool promoter guy that was up there, but he passed away. Um, and he was throwing shows all the time up there. I think we played two festivals up there, and then uh, we played like you know, just like some clubs because after we played the festival, like a lot of people knew who we were, um, yeah. in the area, and then we played that, that Gemini club, like. I want to say like three times had a good time every time. Like the crowd was like really into it for sure. Yes. Yes. And I think about the, the way the last year and a half has been, Oh, Holy shit. Uh, but uh, you know, with uh, COVID and the lockdowns, the pandemic and everything going on, you know, obviously it's, it's slowed down everybody. Uh, what are, but what are the positives you think you you've taken out of this whole mess? Uh, I mean, we just got back on a really tight writing regimen, so we wrote a lot of music, um, <laughs> and we were going to, yeah, we were going to take the year off anyway, um, and just write, so when that happened, we kind of, like, weren't able to work either, so we just worked only on the music, like, you know what I mean? Usually when we're back from tour, like, we all work, like, day jobs, mm -hmm. um, and then we just practice at night, and then we actually got to, you know, just get in a bunch of extra practice and writing and then, you know, just booked out the studio as much as possible. And we have, uh, we just dropped ups and downs and sheep. Um, but then we have another 13 songs that are recorded that we haven't released yet. Um, so, I mean, that's the biggest like body of work we've had done ahead of ourselves. Usually we're like, finishing the album like right when we're supposed to get it to like the label or something like you know what i mean like we're just like oh god we have to release it like you know what i mean like in a couple weeks or something like hurry up we got to finish it like or something but this time like we just finished it and then now we're just like sitting on all the material it actually is like a good feeling so that was definitely a 
productive about being trapped in our houses and stuff, I guess you would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's what, that's a common answer I'm getting is, a, you know, they've had time to do some unfinished business in the studio, write more songs, you know. Yeah. And uh, l- like you said, what a hell of a time for sheep to be released is when all this bullshit's going on. Yeah, it was like a coincidence because I'm telling you, like we recorded that song like three years ago, and we actually been sitting on that one for a while, and then like we were gonna release it during the pandemic, but then we were like, dude, we can't even tour on it. It's like, is it really worth it for us to drop it now? Like, you know what I mean? So we just kind of like sat on it, and we actually filmed the video like in February, right before COVID happened. You know what I mean? And then the guy just like slowly edited it for the whole year because we were just like not in a rush. You know what I mean? We were just kind of like, okay, uh, is anything going to open back up? You know what I mean? And now mm-hmm. it's finally starting to level back out. You know what I mean? Uh, well, Kyle, I'll tell you, uh, it was uh, last June, almost a year ago, that uh, I attended a uh, country Americana festival right here in my neck of the woods uh, that uh, barely got passed of course uh, the promoter was like fuck this shit it's time we stopped existing and started living and so you know yeah. he sets up uh, proper social distancing hand sanitizers everywhere of course when the big acts hit the stage like uh, chris jansen especially nobody was social distancing yeah, they all just go up to the front. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, guess how guess how many cases of COVID were confirmed out of that? I don't know how many people were there. A lot, and there are zero confirmed cases. That's funny. So I got to ask ask you the uh, stumper for my former co-host the uh, questions that make you think. <laughs> so nah, no worries. So let's say Lydia Can't Breathe just made it big. You're hitting the charts. And you're going to go on a big nationwide tour, coast to coast, maybe into Canada, Mexico a little bit, even go uh, globally a little bit. You have three opening slots, bands, or musicians you'd like to have open for you. Who do you pick? And it could be anybody past or present. Um, I'm going to have, uh, I get, I'm the headliner, right? So I'm bringing out all the draw. Basically, that's right. So I don't need a big. I need. A, I need to help out the little guy then. So I'm thinking I'm gonna bring uh, my homies No Self. I'm gonna bring another band that I know that's up and coming, uh, Widow Seven, and then I'm gonna bring uh, Breathing Theory. Those are three bands that could use the help that are like hard workers. Uh, yeah. I'm familiar with Breathing Theory. I've had them on the show as well. Yeah, I've had Colin on the show and yeah those guys are awesome yeah, yeah good band dude good guys yeah. they, they all live like uh around the same area we live we played with them for 10 years easily yeah <laughs> yeah they were telling me a funny story too how uh they they had a gig in wyoming of all places uh where, where nobody lives <laughs> oh, i wouldn't even doubt it yeah, yeah. like nowheresville <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's how a lot of those places are up there where you guys are at there. You just drive forever and there's like nothing. And then all of a sudden you come to like a town. It's like crazy to me. Oh, why Idaho, not so much is because it's the, yeah. uh, it's growing out here, but Wyoming is, Wyoming is pretty desolate. 
Yeah, no one's going there at the big W. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, sticking with the subject of touring a little bit uh, for you, where's that dream stage for you? Anywhere in the here in the U.S. or globally? Is there somewhere out there that you just absolutely love to play? Uh, I love to play, or I would love to play. You would love to play. Madison Square Garden. <laughs> That's it, right there. Yeah. That's a common answer, but yeah. I, I, I already figured, dude. It's like bucket list right there. You know what I mean? Like all the rappers are rapping about it. So I was like, oh, I got to try, you know. And I got to see the Knicks play the Pacers there. So it's, it's not nice. Yeah. When, what, what series? Like when were you there? Uh, 1992. Damn. So that was like Reggie Miller, right? Or something? Reggie Miller and Patrick Ewing were basically the two uh, biggest uh, headlines. Dude, yeah, that's what's yeah. up. That is crazy. Actually, yeah. to me, that's that's the era, magical era of the NBA that's no longer around. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. definitely epic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the days Michael Jordan. Well, Jordan was the man, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he, he sure was. And I remember when Shaq burst out on the scene out in your neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. And they they actually beat uh, Jordan the year he came back or whatever, yep. and then uh, the year after that, yeah, the year after that, the Bulls like took took over again, yep. basically. <laughs> so uh, looking into uh, the future, uh, what's coming up for you? Any upcoming gigs or uh, what's what's happening for you in the future? Um, we're gonna be dropping a, a single every eight weeks. Um, you know, out of the thirteen songs I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we do have a couple shows coming up. Uh, we play, uh, Tampa, uh, and probably like somewhere like Sarasota. There's a couple shows being negotiated over there. Um, and then we're definitely playing like Onyx Fest in Jacksonville in September. And then we're playing Valdosta, Georgia. And then we might be doing like a, like a little tour in October, um, but probably only like a couple weeks just to kind of get our feet wet again um, and just see how it is out there. Cause we haven't toured, you know, uh, since the pandemic, we don't know like how like Florida's mellow. Like no one down here is like stressing the mass or anything anymore. And everyone's just like going out, like there's shows again, but I don't want to end up in a state where people are just like mad. We're throwing a show or something, you know what I'm saying? And there's just like oh, bad yeah. vibes. So we're just kind of like playing it day by day and we, we might not go back out till next year and just like, you know, play, uh, the Southeast this year and just, you know, maybe do, a, you know, like a week show worth of shows here, a couple shows on the weekend and then really start touring again in spring. So that's like kind of our mindset. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, uh, just a couple more questions here and, this question is my favorite question to ask just because of the crazy fucked up answers I can get from it. Um, nice. But uh, this doesn't matter if you're if you're playing some dirty dive bar out in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, that holds a maximum capacity of about 25 people if you're lucky, or you've booked out Madison Square Garden. What's the craziest thing you have witnessed while performing on stage? Oh, man, while we're playing, huh? Yeah. Um, trying to 
think. That's a good question. What's the craziest thing I've well, I mean, it's it oh it, it kind of happens a lot. Okay, there you go. I got it. Uh, we we throw uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at people, uh-huh. right? Like uh, we have a song called Peanut Butter Jelly, and we actually invite people up to make the sandwiches because we have to play. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So we invite like two people up from the crowd to come up and make the sandwiches. And one night in Arizona we invited a drunk guy who was belligerently drunk and uh, he just started taking the peanut butter and fucking throwing peanut butter all over everybody. <laughs> and then like uh, wiping it in my guitar player's hair and shit. Like so oh, many people fuck. wanted to fight the guy needless to say, like, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. just basically, instead of making uh sandwiches, he just starts taking handfuls of goober, you know, the, the peanut butter and jelly mix or whatever, and he's just throwing it at the crowd and stuff, and people were just like, what's going on? I don't <laughs> like this. Like, it was, like, it was just, I was just like, so since that point, we've kind of, like, uh, we don't let super drunk people on stage anymore. That was, like, a life lesson learned that <laughs> night, so yeah, yeah. I want to say that that's, that that's the craziest thing I think I've seen. <laughs> I mean, there's been, you know, some tits here and there, but yeah. that's, like, that was just awesome. I don't know if it was like as crazy as that guy throwing a uh, peanut butter at that, everybody. That's a new one. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Final question. Let's say a group of kids ages 15 to early 20s approach you and tell you they're gonna, they want to start a band and get in the music business. What advice do you think you give them? Um, be prepared to work hard. Um, and make sure that uh, everybody's on the same page, you, no matter what it be. Like, if you just want to be like a local band and everyone's cool with that, then cool, because you're all on the same mindset. But if you're trying to, you know, go for the stars and, you know, get gold records and, you know what I mean, do the thing as a career, everyone needs to be on that same page. Um, and you have to be willing to work hard to get that. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's the the best advice I could give in a nutshell and try to be, try to be nice to your friends, but remember that, uh, you know, sometimes when you want to be serious and your friends don't want to be serious, it turns into a job, you know what I mean? And sometimes it takes the fun out of it. You know what I mean? If you're, if it's a, if it's a job, just like any other job and I wouldn't do anything else. This is what I love to do, but it's definitely, uh, it, it's it, it's hard work, you know what I mean. It's a lot of time, dedication, and uh, you got to uh, be serious if you want to do it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. I want to thank you very much for uh, joining the show today. And uh, before we hit a, the music set, where I'm going to play three more of your songs, uh, won't you go ahead? Oh yeah. Give yourself a plug and tell the listeners where you can be found. Uh, you got social media, website, Reverb Nation, iTunes, Spotify, and all that good shit. Yeah, well, basically, you just type in uh, Lydia Camp Reed, uh, com. It has all the, the social network links on there, or you can go to any social network and just type in Lydia Camp Reed. I think Twitter's LCB Music. But like YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, you just type in Lydia Can't Breathe and it's the only thing that will come up. We don't, there's not a bunch of uh, like competition. 
you know what I mean, with that name or anything. <laughs> of course, that's an original name, and I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yes. Well, once again, hey, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, best of luck to you in your future endeavors. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you, and thanks to all the listeners. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, you take care. All right, have a good day, man. All right, like I said, going to the first music set, we got three more songs by Lydia Can't Breathe. Also have Lurid Liz and Bree Bagwell in the mix. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth?
Your wife was sucking my cock. The clock struck two, I dropped my goo, I kicked the bitch down the fucking block.
bitches You thought I was weak That just when angry I surely was fake Walked off on you Don't fucking Charlie You have the rest of me I'm not the strongest Let's let this soul the fastest You better believe me I fucking am the baddest Motherfucker what? Motherfucker no Motherfucker oh Motherfucker Let's go There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your Hunter Athletic gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, Hunter Athletic gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, and speed battle after battle hunter athletic gear is the brand celebrating your victory hunter athletic gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies including compression pants fight shorts hoodies vests caps and bikinis they can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business visit their website at huntermma.co.za gear up and let's train What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers, scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control? Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour unexpected interrupted and uncensored information join our ctm family today join the movement join the fight for freedom and independence caravan to midnight is media for the people by the people independent of commercial obligations or influence for less than a cup of coffee per month you can make a difference let the people fund the next news network help us grow help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first join the family at caravantomidnight.com Worldwide, nations have been stripped of their rights and freedoms to make their own choices in life. Choices are made for them by their government. Insane, isn't it? Attend Red Pill Expo 2021, June 5th and 6th at the Monument Convention Center in Rapid City, South Dakota. Can't make it to Rapid City? The Expo will be live-streamed and archived should you miss any of it. Red Pill Expo is the major public event of Red Pill University. The mission of the Expo and the University is to bring together world-class experts to set the record straight on fake narratives, fake history, and fake news. At each and every Red Pill Expo, truth seekers unite to get a better understanding Understanding of how the world really works, a world where collectivism reigns. It's time for individualism and an open mind. Mark your calendars and make your plans now to attend Red Pill Expo 2021. Get more details and register today at redpillexpo.org. Experience Highway 30 Music Fest 2021, June 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. Take the whole family and enjoy good food and drink, country music, Americana music, rock, and red dirt. Among the artists performing Wednesday, June 23rd, Tennessee Jet. We were running like two stray dogs chasing squirrels through the stones. We have crossed the graveyard spinning hellfire in our bones. 
the steel woods. There's a southern accent where I come from. And more. Sponsors of Highway 30 Music Fest 2021 include Bud Light, Falls Brand Independent Meat Company, and the Rob Green Auto Group. Have a blast while helping organizations and families in need. Highway 30 Music Fest will take place rain or shine. To order tickets and for more information, visit hwy30musicfest.com. Yo, baby, you have your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Lydia Can't Breathe with Motherfucker. Before that, Bree Bagwell with When a Heart Breaks. Before that, Lydia Can't Breathe with Zebra. Before that, Lurid Liz with No Love Song. And starting off the whole set, Lydia Can't Breathe with Ups and Downs. Awesome interviewing Kyle. And uh, about to uh, go to the interview that I had with Nate Sylvester. Before I get to that, we've got to reveal... The Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is Jessica Luther Rummel. New from Breath Wasters Records comes a new spoken word album by Jessica Luther Rummel. Confessions of a loud and whiny closet white supremacist diva from Denton. Subtitled, Karen with a triple K, nothing to say. Yes, sir, the title of this album is quite long, and so are each of her egocentric routines. I hate to tell you, but I'm a Marxist too. Hail communism. Hail Antifa. Go fuck yourself. Have a nice day. My partner likes me big, you know what I'm saying? He likes to ride that wave. You want to talk about how big my titties are so we'll have to pick them up and wash underneath them? When I lay on my back, they fall down to my sides. Oh, I thought you wanted to talk about my body. I'm confused. Did you not want to do that? Listen as she takes to the streets, bitching and whining and calling for the removal of historic monuments that have been part of communities for decades. This is a mass-produced piece of crap. This is not a unique piece of artwork. If you go to the Texas Klan website right now, you know what's on it? A Confederate monument and that flag. This self-proclaimed scholar who found her college degree inside a cereal box tries to make you believe that she is on a mission to eradicate white supremacy in Texas and America. I'm a PhD student at the University of North Texas of philosophy and religion. She's all about equality and peace. Sure, right. Pride and vanity are drivers. You must understand that criticism. 
makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Learn that it's okay to behave like a two-year-old, trolling and harassing average citizens who believe differently than you do. In order to intimidate nonviolent protesters from participating in First Amendment protected speech and protest. After all, you're exercising your First Amendment rights of free speech and expression, but never mind their First Amendment rights. Did you want to come out here and peacefully protest today? Did you want to have a nice little picnic under your Confederate racist monument? Guess what? Fuck you. You're racist. So much for equality and peace, huh, Jessica? I'm here to start shit, and don't you forget it. You better fucking get used to it, motherfucker. Later in the album, you'll hear what Jessica for the longest time didn't want you to know. She is a card-carrying member of the Ku Klux Klan of Texas. 21st century Ku Klux Klan, all the Confederacy. Hell, she even has a friend in the Klan, and they both take new recruits under their wing. I think I'll print out some Klan applications. I have one, as a matter of fact, because I've been speaking covertly with the head recruiter for the Texas Klan for about three months. I infiltrated the Texas Klan with a fake account. Free Klan applications right here. Parker County Klan, free applications today only. Confessions of a loud and whiny closet white supremacist diva from Denton is available on two CDs, two vinyl LPs, or MP3 download. Isn't that cool? And if you call now to 1-500-KK-Karen, you'll also receive Jessica Luther Rummel's full arsenal of insults and childish tantrums on three CDs or three vinyl LPs. Oh my god! That's Karen with a triple K, right? Oh, don't call me names. I don't like it when people call me names. I just want to enjoy my lunch in peace. Owen, um, Owen, Pierre, fuck you. Fuck you. Make me. Yeah, I'll go wherever I want, dude. This is America. You want to arrest me for it? Do it right now. Fuck you, you fucking coward piece of shit! You fucking coward piece of shit! Fuck you, you fucking coward! You're a fucking coward! You pussy fucking coward! Fuck you! You're a fucking coward! You fucking coward motherfucker! You fucking coward! Fuck you, coward! Fuck you, coward! We're talking five whole hours of unoriginal babbling bullshit. <laughs> yes, sir, the diva from Denton is no rose, but she definitely is yellow. <laughs> Fuck you. To order Confessions of a Whiny Closet White Supremacist Diva from Denton and the special bonus sets, call 1-500-KK-KAREN. That's 1-500-KK-KAREN. Or visit yellowbitchatexas.com. Do it quick. Spread this around. Order now before supplies last forever. Fuck you, coward! Fuck you, coward! Yeah, um, let's just say she's got a history of doxing people. She's very, very woke. Go to her Twitter. Just look her up, Jessica Luther Rummel. You'll find all kinds of horrible videos. She actually went after my next guest here, Nate Sylvester. She's really a piece of work. Anyway, with that said, it's time to go to Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk with police officer Nate Sylvester out of Idaho. 
Outlaw Radio, conservative talk. I just want to tell you that America is the greatest place on earth. We will make America great again. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Outlaw Radio, conservative talk starts now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Outlaw Radio, I would like to welcome Nate Sylvester to the show. Nate, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking some time to uh, talk to me here. So, um, first off, I'm I'm wondering why uh, you you didn't uh, pursue a career in stand up because you seem awfully talented in that area too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, to be honest, I do get a little bit stage fright. Um, it's a little bit easier to do uh, behind a camera when nobody's watching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, you definitely made waves when uh, you made the TikTok video, basically making fun of LeBron James. I mean, uh, he's my idiot of the week a uh, uh, couple weeks ago just because you know, of, of what he put out saying, uh, you know, you need to be held or uh, whatever it was, you know, account hashtag accountability, you know, just because of that, right. that officer in Columbus, Ohio. Um, but, yeah. to, but overall, so I just, I just like to ask you a few questions, uh, a, a little bit, uh, bes- besides that point, um, sure. To, you know, as as far as ever since the uh, the George Floyd situation, do you feel like uh, that uh, police officers uh, to this day now have to pretty much walk on eggshells to avoid you know bad publicity, basically? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, and it's it, it's uh, it goes back even further than the George Floyd situation. I mean, we had Michael Brown. In Ferguson, Missouri, we had uh, Eric Garner, and um, I believe that was in New York um, or Baltimore. Forgive me if I'm getting my facts mixed up. Then we had the Breonna Taylor incident. The media has done a very good job of uh, presenting stories without any context whatsoever. And when they do that, um, they, they paint law enforcement officers in a very negative light. Um, and uh, you know, they obviously have an agenda, but now that agenda has grown into this whole defund the police, this anti-police narrative and incidents like the George Floyd incident, um, definitely as the media portrays them, um, just sort of, you know, serve to further that narrative and continue to demonize and, and condemn police officers as being, you know, inherently racist or systemically racist. If we're talking about the law enforcement um, service as a whole in our country and that police officers are are corrupt. And every time they go to a call, they're looking to kill someone. And that's just not the case. And, but we haven't done a whole lot in order to combat that narrative as a, as a country, we have a lot more supporters. Law enforcement does um, have, we have a lot more supporters out there than not. But again, it's just that whole, you know, vocal minority, silent majority um, ratio where we I mean, we don't hear from the people who support law enforcement. And they're always asking, 
well, how do I, how do I do that? How do I support law enforcement? I, I, cause I do support you guys. I just don't know how I can, how I can do that in any sort of tangible way that has any sort of effect. And with what I've seen with the outreach in my situation, which has been 98% positive, that's the way you do it. You send emails to city officials like mayors and city councilmen and, and women and chiefs of police saying, Hey, we support this officer. What you're doing to this officer is wrong. You know, whether it's a matter of a discipline, a suspension or a termination or what have you. And we'll, we're going to donate to this officer. We're going to, we're going to speak up on behalf of this officer. And that's how you do it. That's how you support law enforcement. You don't have to pick up a bat or a brick and go protest or go loot um, or riot. Protesting would, would work. I mean, as long as it's peaceful, but um, for the most part, it's just about being vocal and being vocal to the right people and getting your message to the right people. City offices have phone numbers and email addresses posted on their public website for a reason. So if, if you know of an officer who, who found themselves in a situation similar to mine, where they're being disciplined unfairly, then send an email to the mayor, like so many thousands of people have in my case. And that's how you show your support. I like that. I like that. You know, and, and uh, getting back to, to to what you were saying, you know, you say it basically starts, I'd, you know, I, actually it kind of started with uh, Trayvon Martin, even though uh, George Zimmerman was really not officially a police officer. I think what he was security officer. I don't know what what exactly he, he was, um, you know, and I wasn't there to see this, uh, what the situation uh, was at all. But uh, the Michael Brown situation in Missouri, I mean, clearly that officer did what he had to do because I've seen it in, uh, in, the, in these bigger cities. I don't understand why a lot of these people have to walk in the middle of the street. They cannot use the sidewalk, especially I've seen it a lot in Erie, Pennsylvania when uh, I was living out that way. And uh, yeah, they just walk in the middle of the street. Uh, you know, uh, I think they're trying to taunt drivers, trying to uh, hold up traffic, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and that police officer based didn't even know that uh, that Michael Brown busted into a store and was bullying the cash, the guy at the cash register, pushing him around and stealing cigars. He didn't even right. he didn't even know about that, and that mm-hmm. that was caught on on surveillance right there. Then when he's asked to use the sidewalk and stop walking in the middle of the street, uh, you know, Michael Brown just starts cussing at him and, and makes it makes a mountain out of a molehill. And then he attacks him and tries to go for his gun. So, so he had, he had no choice in that situation right there, but yet no, uh, what's supposed to happen is, is he supposed to let, let him uh, take his gun, shoot him, and then use that same gun and go shoot someone else. <laughs> What's the deal? Yeah, well, and that's the you know that's the information that you don't get from the media. I mean, the Department of Justice did an investigation into that case and essentially audited the investigation that was done by the local agencies regarding that incident. And that was the DOJ under Obama, and they found that the officers were justified um, in shooting him. And and again. That was under the Obama administration, right? Um, we had, you know, a, a Democratic White House at that point, Democratic Department of Justice, and they found the officers were justified. But people still don't, I mean, because 
they they want to perpetuate this this victimhood, right? These um, these people that are that are shot and killed by police officers, even when it's justified, they want to use that to perpetuate and cultivate their victimhood. Um, the, and like you said, you know, Michael Brown was was a thug. He was a piece of garbage. He he robbed that clerk in that convenience store. Um, you know, they had surveillance footage of him stealing something from the store. And when the clerk tried to stop him, you know, he, he pushed him and punched him and, and then left the store. And like you said, the, the officer didn't realize who he had um, happened upon. He just saw some guy, you know, walking down the middle of the road and knew that it was dangerous and that it was against the law. And then when he approached him, he was attacked and Michael Brown went for his gun. And then there was a struggle and, you know, it, and they ended up having to shoot him because he presented a deadly threat. Um, but again, people listen to, the, so here, here's the, one of the biggest problems that we have is that people only know what they know about police work and police officers from what they hear and see in mainstream media. And what we hear and see in mainstream media isn't even close to, to what the truth is and to what the facts are. The media does not present facts. They present bits and pieces of information in a way that will further their narrative and their agendas. Um, and so if you, if you actually want to learn and educate yourself on, you know, the intricacies of police work and who the men and women of, of, of the law enforcement community actually are, you have to do a little bit um, more research and dig a little deeper to find out, you know, all of the information and not just, you know, the two or three seconds of a cell phone video that CNN wants you to see. <laughs> Yeah, the lamestream media that uh, prints nothing but lies and bullshit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I, I do have to ask you this. Um, ha, has there ever been a story that you read or you seen it on YouTube or whatever that uh, you you saw a police officer doing something and you, you're thinking in the back of your mind, he obviously took the same oath that you did when he accepted his badge and he's breaking it. He has yeah. no right to be wearing that badge. He has no right to be an officer. He, he, he should be gone. Well, not, not very many. And I've not experienced it personally in my own career. Um, however, and it's funny that you bring this up because I was, uh, I did a TikTok video not too long ago on the, uh, the Dante Wright shooting and uh, the officer Kim Potter who uh, mistakenly used her gun instead of her taser and shot him. And this is a perfect example of that, right? She obviously, I mean, if you watch the whole video and you, and you see and hear her reaction uh, throughout the whole encounter, she did not intend to shoot Dante Wright with a gun and kill him. Um, however, that being said, she should not be a police officer, right? If, 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 if she can't, mentally make that connection and go through that process of transitioning from a gun to a taser or drawing your taser in the first place when it's warranted instead of your firearm, then yes, she doesn't deserve, or not, I shouldn't say deserve, she should not be a police officer, right? Um, there was a, there were some news reports that people were saying that I was trying to defend her and then what she was did was, was, was justified and that's absolutely not the case. Kim Potter is not a police officer and she shouldn't be, and she never will be again. And she's facing criminal charges and the criminal justice system is doing what it's supposed to do in cases like this. But that's one example of, of that where, you know, a police officer and not necessarily um, 
intentionally doing harm to people. Um, it was an accident. It was a mistake. It was a terrible, tragic mistake. And again, she's, she's paying for that, right? She's, she's going through the, that, that process. Um, but I would never, you know, if for whatever reason she was cleared, uh, of that, of any criminal charges, um, you know, she shouldn't be a police officer and, you know, she never will be yes. again. <clears throat> yes. You know, and, um, I'm not sure if you, uh, you're, uh, if the name Claude Dallas uh, rings a bell with you or not, or if you've heard that name before. Um, it sounds familiar, but I'm not sure why. Okay. So this, this dates back uh, to 40 years ago. Um, Claude Dallas was, uh, was, uh, basically, uh, living off of the land, uh, in, uh, Oahe County, uh, right there off the, uh, Nevada, um, Idaho border. And of course, ga- game wardens, of course, have a lot of the same, uh, same rights as police officers do. Um, however, the, uh, yeah, he, he killed two game wardens and is, and served his time. He's now paroled and I think he's living in Utah, but, um, you know, he claims self-defense on the matter too. Yeah. And uh, the fact of the matter is, too, I partially might have a chance to believe that because the game warden he killed, I heard a lot of stories about, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, he, you know, he, uh, when he, because he approached my uncle who wasn't even hunting and he was unarmed and he had his, he had his hand on his gun the whole time trying to bust him for poaching elk, which mm. wasn't the case, especially how can you be poaching if you don't even have a gun in your possession? Right. Well... This is where I'm going with this. There's a video on that on YouTube uh, about the the whole uh, Claude Dallas is a fugitive and uh, the the chase because uh, he he was a pretty smart man and evaded capture for a long time. But uh, somebody had to comment in the section. Claude Dallas got parole because of his white privilege. And Jesus. I, and I said I got on there and I said. If the officers, the game wardens he killed were black, you might be able to have an argument there. But uh, at this point, because everybody was white in this situation, your 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 argument holds no water. The fact of the matter is, is that uh, he was he was a smart man, smooth talker, and got away with manslaughter charges. End of story. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say what he did was right. I mean, he blatantly killed two. Two game wardens, and uh, um, the way he did it, it should have been murder. Uh, but if it was self defense, knowing what I know about that game warden, uh, Bill Pogue, uh, you know, it that could have been the cause. But still, I mean, he pulls out a three fifty seven, shoots them, then goes into his tent, grabs a rifle, and shoot uh, and shoots them both behind the ear. Don't tell me that is not blatant murder. Uh, but uh, at the same time, you know, there's too much of this crap about, uh, you know, t- that they really want to racially divide us anymore, turning this whole thing mm-hmm. into all about racism and co- cops are racist now. It's ridiculous. Well, it's again, it's just another way f- to cultivate their victimhood. You know, if they can. um what they what they want is outcome or equality of outcome, right? Instead of equality of opportunity, equal opportunity. 
they want equal outcome just despite, you know, regardless of, of merit, of effort, uh, of, of any of those things, right. It doesn't matter. The, the doesn't matter where you start in life or, or how you ran the race. None of that matters. It, it, we all have to finish at the exact same time in the exact same place. And that's just not how it works. Um, it, you know, I, it's, and again, it's, I, I obviously, you know, I'm white. I've never been, I've never felt privileged in my entire life. Um, I, I grew up indigent. Um, my parents both worked and they worked really hard, um, for next to nothing and through no fault of their own. My parents are amazing people. They raised me well, but we didn't have, but we didn't have a lot of money. Um, you know, they lived paycheck to paycheck and even worse than that sometimes. And I grew up in a very, um, uh, there, there was a large Hispanic population where I live. Um, and I went to school with a lot of those Hispanic kids and many of them were much more privileged and fortunate than I was. Um, you know, they had nicer clothes. Uh, when we got into high school, they drove nicer cars. Um, their parents made more money than my parents. So at least for me and my experience, that whole argument is just, it's just nonsense. Uh, I've, and I've, I was never treated any better because of the color of my skin uh, than, than any of my, you know, Hispanic peers, uh, growing up, you know, and I, I ain't even ha- I had, um, friends who were black. There weren't very many of them, um, where, uh, where I lived and grew up. Um, but again, the, 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 the couple that I, that I knew and were friends with were, um, much more fortunate than I was. So I don't, I don't see how you, how you can continue to argue that point, when there's just, there's no evidence of it. I mean, did, was that the case back in the 1960s and, and before that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the country is not more racist now than it was in the 1960s. We've made strides as a nation in terms of, you know, equality um, for people of, of all races and, you know, and of all genders. Um, we, uh, it, you know, when it comes right down to it, it just, it basically comes boils down to uh, accountability for one's own choices. And when you make a lifetime of poor choices and you end up in a shitty situation, that's not the white per that's not a white person's fault. Right. And you can't blame white people for your, for your circumstances when you, you know, you decided to hold up a convenience store or when you decided to, um, you know, do drugs, when you decided to drop out of school, um, you know, when you decided to attack and, and fight with the police, that's, that's not white people being racist. That's you making poor choices. Exactly. Exactly. But I've had bad experiences with police officers when I lived in Boise or should I say Garden City? You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I had to be handcuffed and taken to the station and, uh, and some of those cops, they they screamed at me, which mm-hmm. I, I know is not protocol unless, uh, you know, you have to tell them, you know, get down on the ground, you know, with your hands, your hands down or whatever, you know. Sometimes right. you, you do have to scream. I understand that. But for the most part, you have to speak as, you're, as you are speaking right now in a calm, collective manner. Yeah. And... Um, you know, and then when they put the cuffs on me, I I wasn't resisting, yet they had to wrench them on as tight as they could, and my wrists were sore. In fact, I probably, if if I would have broken any bones of my wrists, I probably would have sued the city, I think. 
Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, that, let me just tell you, those experiences right there did not make me scream, defund the police. Right. Right. Well, and, and what we're seeing is essentially what this boils down to is, you know, Democrats and, you know, the, the people on the left, they know that if they can convince you that that white people are inherently racist and that police officers are inherently racist and corrupt and that they're looking to kill you, then they can, if they can convince you of that, then they know that they have your vote because at the same time they're, they're telling you, listen, the only salvation you have from this is to vote us into office. And then we will make sure that, you know, we will take care of that. We will defund the police and, you know, we'll rid the world of systemic racism and everything's going to be just fine. When in fact they have no intentions of doing any of that, because for one, it doesn't exist, right? It's just this, this fairy tale that they tell people so that they can get their vote and people are buying it. They're falling for it. Um, this, uh, and, and, you know, and it's, and it's maddening because if you just look at the evidence, if you look at the data and you look at the statistics, you can, you know, clearly see that, for example, uh, the number one cause of death amongst black people is other black people and black people are shooting each other at rates significantly higher than any other race. Um, I, I believe it was the, the CDC, that, uh, that issued this particular report. I think it was a 2019 statistics. Um, if we're talking about victims of violent crimes or victims of, of, of murder, more specifically, whenever the, whenever the victim was black, 70% of the 75% of the time, the offender was also black. And, 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 so, and, but, but people don't want to look at that. They don't want to, they want, don't want to acknowledge that because that means there's a problem culturally that means there's a problem uh behaviorally on their part that they would have to do some work with um in order to fix that it's much easier to blame white people and to blame police officers and say no 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 it's just because you're racist and you know uh, every time a uh, you know a white cop shoots a black person that's just further evidence of that well that happens a fraction of the time compared to how many times a white person gets shot by the police police officers shoot white people uh, way more often than they shoot black people, you know, oh, and then people will say, yeah. well, that th there's, there's a, uh, that's disproportionate because black people only make up 13% of the population, which is true. However, they're also responsible for 50% of the crimes that are committed. So if you're part of the demographic that's committing more crimes, obviously you're going to have more contact with law enforcement. And the more contact you have with law enforcement, especially if you're a violent offender, the chances of you, um, being tased or being shot or otherwise, you know, being the recipient of some level of force by police officers is going to increase. And that's not police officers being racist. That's them doing their jobs and responding to where the crime is. You know, Nate, where it all starts is in the home. The fact, right. the fact of the matter is, is that back in the 1950s, didn't matter what race you were, um, you know, there were, there were hardly any single parent households. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of uh, sex out of wedlock and kids being born out of wedlock in the 1950s. You know, right. they pretty much start that started in the sixties. And even then, you know, there weren't a lot of single parent households, 
But, uh, you know, probably starting in the 80s is when there was a big problem with uh, teenage pregnancy and single-parent households, you know, and kids growing up without a father figure. It's like when that morality right there started to deteriorate, you know, and and it's right. just we're, we're talking uh, stupidity has just accumulated more and more and more over these last few years, you know, and, and it's and uh, even though I'm yeah, the, uh, the crime in the black community is just insane. Look at Chicago. I had, I, I, in fact, I had a friend of mine that went to, went to school, was a point guard for, for CSI uh, college of Southern Idaho. Not the, not the TV series. Um, Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know that, (laughs) but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, forgive me for saying so, because I know you're a police officer, but, uh, come on, some of the best weed I ever smoked was with him. So, (laughs) but, you know, and, but he, he told me his biggest fears were, uh, go, he left Chicago for a reason because, you know, his neighborhood was bad. Then his mom gets cancer and he has to go back for the funeral. Uh, two days after the funeral, he gets shot before he, he can go back to wherever it was he was Jeez. living. Where is the outrage for him? Oh, yeah, he's, it, you know, he, he was killed by another black person, so that doesn't fit the narrative. Not only mm-hmm. that, he, wa- he wasn't a criminal, so they should just change it. Black criminals' lives matter. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, you, you, you said something pretty uh, – profound when he said it, you know, it starts in the home and that's exactly right because the single motherhood rate in the black community is extraordinarily high compared with, you know, any other, uh, any other demographic. And if the father is not in the home and the mother has to work two jobs to try and keep the family afloat, then what do you think is going to happen to the children? They're going to go out, they're going to get in trouble. They're going to join a gang, you know, in these inner city neighborhoods, that's basically what they have to do to survive. And without a father in the home to keep them on the right track and, you know, to, you know, essentially be the disciplinarian in the home when the kids are out of line. Um, that's where you're seeing this, uh, this uh, cultural um, issue with, you know, kids growing up believing that it's okay to fight with the cops. It's okay to resist the cops. It's okay to carry a gun around um, and threaten people with it. You know, it's okay to stab other people. That's, you know, where were their fathers when all of this was going on? Well, the fathers weren't around and that's where it stems from, but nobody wants to acknowledge that. Nobody wants to talk about that because for the Democrats, it's much easier to say, listen, you guys have had it rough. You guys are the victims. This is a white people problem because they're all racist. Don't worry. We'll take care of it. Just make sure you vote us into office and uh, everything's going to be okay. Well, you know, we've seen it over and over. They get voted into office and then nothing happens. They don't follow through with their promises. They don't, you know, they don't take care of the black community. They don't take care of the black voters. All they wanted was their vote. And then, you know, they're left to uh, fend for themselves and nothing changes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just sickening too. And then, then of course, I just, I want to get to, to our, uh, the idiot of the week this week, of course, um, Jessica Luther Rummel. No, please. Oh. <laughs> I just, yeah. I just have to say, you know, there is somebody right there who's miserable in her mm-hmm. own life. I mean, 
<laughs> oh my god. I mean, how did this guy how did this situation come to boil where this fat bitch from Texas and I, I'm not gonna be nice about this at all. And I, I don't pick normally pick on people for the way they look, but I will in her case because she's gotta run her mouth the way she fucking does. But yeah. <laughs> you know, how did this situation emerge? You know, I was ironically I was warned about this woman before I even went viral with the LeBron TikTok. Somebody had reached out to me on TikTok and said, "Hey, you know, this beware of this woman because she's a radical leftist. She's part of the woke crowd and she essentially, you know, she told me this long story about how this Jessica Luther Rummel ruined her life." By targeting her with all of these slanderous, libelous videos and, and um, you know, social media posts. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but she would follow her daughter around with a camera and record her. And, you know, just it, very weird, odd, obsessive behavior. Um, and then, of course, as soon as as soon as I saw the change.org petition and, and did a little research into who this person was, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's the person that that I was warned about. And, you know, she's she did the same thing to me in her change.org petition story, you know, uh, claiming that I was racist. And, you know, I got into a shooting back in 2009 and she said that, you know, the suspect was black. And so, of course, I'm just a white cop killing black people. Um, just insane, uh, absolutely insane. The amount of time and effort that she puts into these videos that she does whenever, you know, she gets a wild hair and wants to try and destroy someone and you know she's she saw the she saw the video go viral she saw the gofundme campaign doing very well and like you said she's a miserable person she saw something good happening for a good cause and she wanted to try and destroy it um luckily she hasn't been successful oh no and and she's still on your ass too i mean i i looked at her twitter and of course yeah i you know, she is doing things that uh, I've had someone do to me. Yes, Mr. Dennis Wayne Isley. I'm talking about somebody just like you because I know you listen every weekend. But, <laughs> um, yeah, um, you know, I've seen her put out people's personal information, addresses, telephone numbers, whatnot. You know, probably had just like what happened to Tucker, Tucker Carlson having Antifa or BLM thugs uh, just right outside their doors while they're trying to have private time, eat dinner, right. watch TV with the family and whatnot. You know, she, yeah. she, she's the one that's doing this. And, um, the question is now, uh, God, can't, can she, I think she should mind you, but, uh, can she be facing some criminal charges if not, uh, civil charges? Well, I think if anything were to, were to happen um, to me or my family, um, then yeah, she could, she could face criminal charges. Um, you know, I, I probably have a case against her right now for, um, you know, defamation of character, um, you know, libelous accusations because everything's, everything in her petition was, was garbage. It was, you know, she took, she, she flat out lied. She flat up fabricated information about me to try and, uh, cancel the GoFundMe campaign. Uh, so I, I definitely have some, um, some civil recourse there if I chose to go after her. Um, I, I chose at this point not to pay any attention to it and to give it any energy because I mean, 
she let's face this woman is not significant she's not important uh she's a, a miserable troll who's trying to just bring everybody down with her <laughs> and i'm just i'm just gonna let her i'm just gonna let her live under her bridge and be the miserable troll that she is and just choose to ignore it for now well the one video that she is uh, just so obsessed with and is posting time and time again is look like you have you have your hat down over your eyes, and you're kind of reciting the, the words from the movie uh, from the Klansman, uh, Django Unchained. And uh, basically, uh -huh. what I'm showing, this is the impression I'm getting, is you're showing how stupid racism really is and making fun right. of it. But no, she to her you're like a full fledged clan member. Of course, now of course she's she's showing her own stupidity by doing that. Right. Well, and you know, I don't know how much you know about about TikTok, but um, you can use so TikTok has a database of sounds that you can use for your videos, and that one in particular that I used from Django Unchained, I actually saw in a in a previous TikTok um, where you know somebody had a horse and a horse. Sometimes they put those those masks over the horses' faces, uh -huh. and uh, like when they're being uh, you know when they're being stabled or whatever. And, uh, that, that soundbite was being used and I thought it was hilarious, you know, and I, at first I didn't even realize, um, where it had, where it had come from. I, I, I didn't make the connection that it was from the movie Django Unchained. Um, but I just wanted to use it in my own video where I was essentially making fun of highway patrolmen, you know? And so, so and then I learned later, you know, and looking at the information, I'm like, oh, this is from that movie Django Unchained. And the, the, the whole purpose of that particular scene, like you said, was to show how stupid and ignorant Klansmen were at the time. Yes. So I don't, so obviously, and that was a great movie that Quentin Tarantino did and so many people enjoyed it. And it wasn't a racist movie. It was pointing out the, the you know, the severity of racism uh, during that time, during that setting. Um, but I used it not knowing where it had come from in the first place, but the whole point of my TikTok was to make fun of highway patrolmen. So, but she knows that if you know there's the KKK in the in the little you know title of the of the soundbite, and if she knows that if she can highlight that and go, oh look, this officer is a Klansman, he's promoting racism, he's racist, blah blah blah. I, I mean, I hope that people are smart enough to see through that kind of bullshit. Um, I mean, we know that there are some people who will probably buy into it um, because, again, it fits the narrative. But, I mean, yeah, it's definitely showing that, you know, she's not too bright when it comes to, you know, interpreting interpreting TikTok videos. Now, this this just kind of a side question here because uh, we got to wrap this up pretty soon. Um, but um, you say you're kind of making fun of a highway patrol officer. So I, I just have to ask this. Is there some kind of line of truth to that uh, Super Troopers movie where basically there's kind of a there there seems to be a rivalry between the um, the different uh, divisions of police right there? <laughs> the, there's kind of an unspoken rivalry, um, you know, between you know, let's say the state police and you know a, a county sheriff's department and, and local city police officers, police departments. Um, it's all in good fun. It's all in jest, you know, because when it comes down to it, um, when an officer, no matter what agency he's from, if he's in trouble, we're all going to help. 
Yes. If if there's an investigation that requires uh, multiple agencies to participate, we're all going to coordinate and and get it done. And, you know, there's not going to be any, um, you know, any pissing contests or anything like that. So the whole, the the rivalry, rivalry thing is, like I said, it's all in good fun. It's, you know, we laugh and we joke about it. Um, But uh, yeah, we all have each other's backs at the end of the day. (laughs) Uh, still, Super Troopers is a funny movie. I I never saw the sequel, I, but uh, the the first one was great. The first one was was really the sequel wasn't as great. The first one was pretty funny. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> anyway, um, uh, this message, by the way, this uh, comes from uh, Jericho Green. He's a black conservative living in the depths of uh, California. He says mm-hmm. he he says that. Uh, You've got his full support. Oh, well, I really appreciate that. Yes. Anyway, we are just about uh, out of time here. No, um, before uh, we cut it and go to the next uh, music set, uh, if someone uh, wants to reach out to you, obviously TikTok seems seems to be uh, your preferred social media. How can somebody reach out to you? So my username on, on TikTok is Nate's Wilden, N-A-T-E-S-W-I-L-D-N. It's the same for Instagram. And then on Facebook, I'm Nate Sylvester. Um, and my email address is also linked in my profiles. And spelled differently than uh, what uh, Sly Stallone or Sylvester the Cat. It's actually S-I-L-V-E-R-S-T-E-R. S-I-L-V-E-S-T-E-R. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, you have my full support. Uh, please continue doing what you're doing because we definitely need we need our police officers. We have we you're underappreciated. You know, just like a lot of veterans are sadly unappreciated and left homeless these days. So you, yeah, you you have you have my full support, and uh, yeah, just keep keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, uh, post another TikTok video because. That was funny as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm working. I've got a few things uh, working right now. I need to get back to doing some uh, some more funny TikToks for everybody. But yeah, they'll they'll be coming out soon. Yes. Oh, oh, oh! One more thing. Uh, you got a book uh, coming out, right? That's right. Uh, it's entitled "Never Off Duty." Um, it's uh, yeah. Th- that's one of the things that j- just sort of in the wake of all of this uh, was an opportunity that that presented itself, and I knew I had to take advantage of it. So this, uh, it's going to be, it's a really good book. It's going to sort of help repair this disconnect that exists between the general public and law enforcement that we've been fighting against. Um, it's going to give kind of a, a really intimate inside look into police work and, you know, the police officers in general and, you know, the type of people that they are and the, the, the type of people that, that wear the badge and do a difficult job. So it's available for pre-order right now. And that link is available on, on all of my social media platforms. Um, and the first 1000 copies are signed to copies. And I believe there's 200 left about 200. So if, uh, if you want a copy, um, you jump on the link and go get it fast because they're going, they're going pretty quickly. All right. Well, uh, Nate, once again, uh, thank you so much for joining the show and, uh, God bless you. God bless our police officers, our men and women in uniform. And like I say, you know, uh, keep doing what you're doing, whether you're being funny or you're protecting the community. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Billy. It's uh, been a pleasure. All right. You take care. Thank you. You too.
And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to go to the next music set coming up. We have, uh, this is a discovery I just made recently, Mexicana with their rendition of Rico Suave, if you remember the song from the early 90s. Yeah, they have their own rendition of that. It's pretty good. Uh, be followed by Colby Cooper. We got Decryan out of the Netherlands. And we have a twin spin. We have Adima, going to be followed by Magnolia Bayou with their covers of the Alice in Chains song, Nutshell. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask, Mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. Now, you wouldn't know it, 
for some of the things I've said over the years, but I like people. I do. I like people, but I like them in short bursts. I don't like people for extended periods of time. I'm all right with them for a little while, but once you get up past around minute, minute and a half, I gotta get the fuck out of there. And my reason for this, my reason is for one that you may share, possibly, I have a very low tolerance level for other people's stupid bullshit, okay? <laughs> stupid bullshit. Stupid bullshit.
en heb ik dikke pet. Ben het transbert, dus haal je bommen uit de vet. Het wordt verhark en de dood maken. Draai maar lekker aan die knoppen, laat je dom op die ze kraken. Hé, en heb je die Claudia uit mijn je draait nog al geproefd? Hé, die jaren koffie aan, want eenmaal in de pit geweest zit de bier tot aan je onderbroek gekoek. Je biedt die zaven door je hart, zoals het rieken van de roeg. Zie dat je de avonds naar je zin hebt, dan komt de dat er eens een ergens op sloeg. En weet je wat, we gooien het allemaal eventjes over een hele andere boek. Ga jij me lekker even gieren, duidt je petje. Je staat te springen op de baai, joh, wat letje. De herrie wordt je in graf van weer een avondavontuur. Landen in de huis om zeven uur. Hey! Staat die lekker hard, daar ken je hard genoeg. De stoelen doen je raar, dan vier uit zijn boek. Je wil alleen maar meer, want jij hebt nooit genoeg. We komen naar je huis, tot morgen spook. Je gaat me als een fucking spoednik Nee, niet te stoppen, niet te stoppen Dan vind je het gek, maar wat jou allemaal in je schedel loopt te proppen Hé, maar maakt niet uit Maar geef me nog even een tandje Ik laat het tandje nog erbovenop Voordat we hier de tent weer uit worden geschopt Hé, staat hij lekker hard Daar ken je hard genoeg Stoelen doen je raar De vering uit zijn boek Je wil alleen maar meer Want jij hebt nooit genoeg We komen naar je huis Zoals morgen spook
USAC Incorporated. The United South Africa Coalition comprises groups and individuals around the world working together to create public global awareness of the genocide in South Africa and to develop community restoration programs that will make South Africa a safe place for all races to thrive. USAC works to inform world leaders of the present-day conditions in South Africa through documents, news reports, images, videos, publications, petitions, and witness statements to unite with South African leaders to bring meaningful assistance to people in South Africa, to educate and develop trade schools to improve the quality of life in South Africa, to enact employment laws that are fair and equal for all in South Africa, and to work on trade development projects to improve South Africa's economy. To join USAC and for more information about USAC and what you can do, visit usac.center. This is The Renegade Show. You have three different scenarios here, and I'll give them to you. No, I said scenarios, not Cheerios. Coming to you coast to coast and around the world on your favorite radio station. How did you get Cheerios from scenarios? All right, it's time for the Renegade Pick of the Week countdown. Here we go, counting it down all the way to number one. Who farted? Yeah, we like to welcome you to the Renegade family. Does anybody even remember Doogie Hauser? I think it's fair to warn you that by listening to this show, you're committing a misdemeanor in four states. Three children are asking their parents where babies come from. Two children run away, and one mother ends up crying by the end of the show. This is the Renegade Show. Go to Facebook.com slash Radio Chris Master to find out days, times, and stations of where you can catch the Renegade Show. Left-wing community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho want to indoctrinate Idaho kids from cradle to college, teaching them hate America propaganda that white people are inherently racist, gun rights are evil, and it's okay to swap genders. Idaho state representatives will vote soon on Senate Bill 1193 that would give $6 million to a leftist organization that teaches this nonsense to Idaho's youngsters. You can stop this. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org. Join the fight against Idaho Senate Bill 1193. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Show the world how much you love Outlaw Radio with Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including water purification by Berkey, delicious long-term storable food by My Patriot Supply, the New Eden Nutritional Support System, the Ionic Toothbrush System, a better way to clean your teeth, the Invisible Mask, a negative ion generator, that hangs from your neck like a pendant that mitigates incoming pollution. The high ion bio key quantum scalar energy pendant, EMF mitigating fabrics and clothing, and some really cool infrared night vision binoculars. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Some of the best blends from around the world, including Serato and Grindhouse Brew. Visit outlawradioabs.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. Oh, 
from the bowels of a nondescript building in a little hick town. This is Outlaw Radio. I'm not in the mood to deal with you today, you stupid asshole! 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 All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train. And USAC, the United South Africa Coalition, go to USAC.center for more information. Songs you just heard, you just heard a twin spin. You just heard Magnolia Bayou with Alice in Chains, a cover of Alice in Chains' Nutshell. Before that, you heard Edema cover the same song. Before that, Decrying with Stat Ye Licker Hard. Before that, Colby Cooper with It Ain't Me. And starting off the whole set, Mexicano with Rico Suave. All right, moving right along. Going to be joined by the icon Stephen James and Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion. Boxing. It'll be scored. Boxing. Mixed martial arts. Professional wrestling. And apparently, Hell in the Cell match is officially underway. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion. Knuckle up and throw down. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for this edition of Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion, I am welcoming back, of course, the uh, founders and CEO of AOW Productions, the icon Stephen James. What's going on, brother? Not much. Happy to be back always fun to pop in and join you guys absolutely absolutely so doing something a little bit different because normally when i'm doing a combat sports discussion i'm either talking to a fighter or discussing some recent events we're actually uh diving into the history books here into the history of the wwe then wwf because uh just recently uh felt that this was something i wanted to discuss and that was uh Going back about uh, almost 23 years ago, the we're talking uh, 1998, the WWF at the time, Brawl for All, a 16-man elimination tournament to what to where uh, Vince Russo said there weren't there weren't enough cool gimmicks anymore in professional wrestling, so he wanted to try something new. Bradshaw was bragging left and right that uh, he could knock out anybody in the organization. So he kind of had a light bulb uh, shine above his head saying, well, let's find out who the best fighter is. So he went to Vince McMahon, said, hey, let's let's uh, put on like a tough man boxing, boxing style event and uh, find out who the best fighter was. And... Uh, as where as it sounded good on paper, it was so poorly put together, and it ended in a tremendous clusterfuck. 
Well, no argument with that. It certainly did. It was one of the most embarrassing pieces of storytelling in professional wrestling history. Yes, yes. I mean, just just the way it was, it was so poorly put together. It wasn't thought through. Um, number one, now, Stephen, you're a boxing fan. I'm a boxing fan. So comparing the Tough Man contest to uh, regular boxing, number one, I mean, the rules are, are still the same. That doesn't change there. However, similar. Yeah. Similar. Yep. But uh, in in the Tough Man contest, you wear 16-ounce gloves, one-minute rounds, so they're, you know, and therefore you don't have time to go out and feel out your opponent and dance and, and use your jab and set them up or something. you got to go out there and you got to swing for the fences and try to knock them out as quickly as possible. That's, that's the way it works in the Tough Man contest. Not well, to mention that, but in a typical boxing match, a fighter has anywhere from you know months to a year or sometimes in cases more than that to train granted these guys are you know for the most part in fantastic shape uh good cardio and all that but you're talking anywhere from one to three weeks in between the fight that's a big difference in traditional professional boxing yes yes and, and i'm getting to, to that exactly so i I mean, like I said, the idea looked good on paper, and I, I like the idea no. a lot. No. It's, it was a horrible idea from the inception, and I'll tell you why as we get into that. Okay. But, uh, you know, there, I'm pretty sure, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk. Like the whole concept of the UFC is let's find out who the baddest man on the planet is. Well, they wanted to find out who who's the best fighter among professional wrestlers. Now, We've heard it many times before. Oh, wrestling's fake. Wrestling's fake. No, wrestling is not fake. It is staged. Wrestling is scripted. It's scripted. Yeah. It's it's scripted. The outcome is determined, but a lot of the violence, the injuries, and and the contact is very, very real. In some cases, a lot of times the contact isn't nearly what it appears to be, but it, it is certainly a staged you know, predetermined outcome performance piece. It's, you know, live action stunts is what it comes down to, uh, along with, you know, cinematic storytelling. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes it's... Or in the case of Vince, or in the case of Vince Russo's writing, soap opera storytelling. That's what I was just about to say, days of our lives in, in, a, in a ring, in a squared circle, basically. Yes. So, I mean, I honestly, I like the idea to find out, you know, because who the best fighters are. And now this is the way I think this event could have been successful had they followed certain, certain guidelines. Now, number one, they had, they, they use people for judges who knew nothing about boxing. They, they set up these stupid rules. Like you get five points for every punch landed. So let's think about that. Uh, going to the tough man rules in, in a tough man contest. They can't count the punches because so many punches are being thrown. You don't know what's, what's just a swing and a miss and what's actually landing. So in the tough man contest, they're, they are judging purely on aggression and, of course, knockdowns. Um, Not to mention these judges were, well, less than professional, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, not like, it's not like you had the crew from HBO or Showtime there, you know, with, with the counter, you know, on each round with the counter literally in each hand going click, 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 
click, click, click, click, click, click, click, click. You couldn't do that because the brain does not process information that quickly. And also, uh, one thing, so Vince, Vince Russo put it in, you get five points for every landed punch. You can't count punches in, in, in that. It's There's just too many thrown. And too, no, he, it, it's retarded. And then the t- takedowns, okay. On the one, there's no takedowns in the in the tough man contest. There's no takedowns in professional boxing. You're at you're trying to add in takedowns in something like that. I mean, you're asking for injuries uh, doing that. So yeah, I mean, you're you're essentially trying to turn the WWE into UFC, and that's a horrible idea because it works just barely with some of the best trained fighters and athletes in the world. So what I think, yeah. And and with train, basically what wrestlers are is, and people may take this the wrong way, but they are combination stuntmen and ballerinas. They do this amazing dance (laughs) that is based on years and years of training and, and choreography uh, and athleticism that is fucking phenomenal. I mean, I've been a professional wrestling fan for fuck 36, 37 years. So don't take my analogy with ballerinas to be a negative thing. Ballerinas are highly, highly trained individuals that have to be very, very precise with their movements. And that's what professional wrestling is all about. It is not about brutes, brute strength and aggression versus something like MMA is more about granted. There's obviously a lot of training that it goes involved in either. Yes. Well, what I think Vince Russo, if he wanted to put something like this together, what he needed to do was he, he needed to to talk with, I'm not going to say Don King or Don Aaron, but somebody who's more familiar with the sport of boxing because granted you have Vince McMahon who could put on a show for wrestling, but uh, he knew nothing about putting on a fighting event. So, you know, and so basically you have, uh, I, I think there's, I think there's no way this ever works. Well, no, if you work with the right and people, the reason I say, what's that? Go ahead. You're no, I disagree. I, the whole concept of professional wrestling, and yes, even by this point, uh, and I'm sorry, it was, uh, what year was tough enough? It was... 98. Uh, 1998, yes. Was the tournament, yes. Right. And granted, we know by this point, by 1998, the veil had been you know, kind of lifted on professional wrestling. It was well understood by even the most casual of fans that... It was scripted entertainment. They gave up the whole kayfabe thing. And, you know, you had wrestlers going on talk shows and and basically, you know, telling the truth that, yes, this is scripted. It's not, you know, we're not going out there and legitimately, you know, doing things to another individual that would put anyone else in prison. However, for the, you know, actual television product itself, professional wrestling had always been built on the fact that, you know, suspension of disbelief that you could, you know, tell these stories with these individuals and 
kind of halfway turn off your mind and go, yeah, I believe this could happen. You know, th- th- yeah, that's real or not real, but you can submerge yourself in it enough to let you know that it's real. But then you go on Monday Night Raw one night, and the first half of the show is, you know, four scripted matches and segments and all that, talking about beating the hell out of each other and doing the matches. And then you come out and say, hey, by the way, we're doing this Brawl for All tournament. Now, we want you to believe that everything else on this show is real, but at the same time, we're turning around and saying, oh, by the way, we're going to have a legitimate boxing match. Uh, So that's just announcing to the world, yeah, this shit is just all bullshit. You literally outed yourself on your own show. How is the even the casual fans supposed to believe in everything else that's going on when in the middle of it, you're turning around and saying, yeah, well, you know, we're basically saying, hey, the rest of it, you know, we've got writers in the back for that. So how are fans supposed to differentiate? They're like, oh, okay, well, they're saying this is real, so great, thanks for telling us all that this is fake. It takes, it takes, not only it takes away from the segment for the Brawl for All, but it takes away from the rest of the show because now you can no longer suspend your belief and immerse yourself in the show because they keep going from fake, real, fake, real, fake, real. Well, I mean, if you just take in the, the fact of with the tough man contest, I think what Vince, if this is what Vince Russo really wanted to do, he needed to take some time and, and really look at the situation. Um, you and actually put the, put the, the contestants through some real boxing training. None of them had trained. I mean, they, they did their, regular training for wrestling and everything they they had to do to stay in shape but none of them had any legitimate boxing training except for maybe mark merrow and steve blackman uh well blackman was a legit martial artist yeah and in the case of mark merrow uh, if i'm not mistaken was actually a golden gloves boxer he yes he was was probably he, he was literally in as far as i know the only one with legitimate you know the sport of kings boxing training marcus queensberry and all that he was the only one in that entire tournament with a number of years in legit boxing and nobody else came close yeah i mean that even includes dan severn who was a three-time ufc uh, world champion but uh you know, if you watch Dan Severn in the UFC, his stand-up was always is so suspect. He he he's a Greco-Roman wrestler, world champion Greco-Roman wrestler. He he ain't no uh, boxer, kickboxers. So, so no. No, I, and then you also had you you had a guy. You know, you had guys in there like uh, you know Steve Williams, uh, not Stone Cold. Steve Austin, Steve Williams, but Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Yeah, Dr. Who Dr. was a Death. legitimate badass who, who, who could stand up, you know, in any bar and fight the fuck out of you. Uh, same with Bart Gunn, who obviously went on to win the tournament. Um, you know, legitimate badass guys who could stand up and have a fight, but in a fight, it's different than boxing. You realize, too, the Bart Gun was the least expected to win. He was the underdog among the underdogs in this tournament. Least expected to win. They expected Dr. Death to destroy him. 
And then, uh, then of course, he makes it all the way to the finals against Bradshaw. Again, they expect Bradshaw to, to knock his dick in the dirt, and it just didn't happen. Well, the two problems with that is uh, you discount Bart Gunn in the fact that this is a legitimate rodeo riding cowboy who probably had more bar fights than wrestling matches. Uh, the dude, I don't even know how old, how old Bart Gunn is today. I think 55. He is, he's, okay, at 55 years old, he could kick my ass at 25. Yeah. And he's half a cripple now. And Dr. Death Steve Williams has probably had just as many bar fights as he had wrestling matches. And again, a legit badass football player from OU. Uh, as Jim Ross reminded us so many times over the years, you know, these are two legitimate badass dudes, but that doesn't mean they're boxers. So, I mean, honestly, you know, knowing, knowing what I know now, based on just training and everything else had it not been for injuries i truly believe the hands-on favorite to win it would have been mark marrow oh most definitely if you want to go with with the fact of boxing too and if they would have went with, with legitimate boxing marcus of queensberry rules with one minute rounds as a tough man contest i think that would have been the case to be honest with you you know, if you especially you eliminate the takedowns. But then again, Steve Blackman, I, yeah, his stand-up has got to be pretty good. I take nothing away from Blackman. Again, he's another guy who's in at this point in his mid-50s who, again, could kick my ass at the height of my physical prowess. So I take nothing away from any of these guys. I mean, hell, the godfather, uh, you know, that guy's kicked a lot of ass, too. I mean, he spent years as a big-ass bouncer in New York City nightclubs. That dude's had a ton of fistfights. But there's a huge difference in fistfights, which is why you look at, you know, somebody like a Tank Abbott before UFC had the rules that they have, came in and dominated against some very well-trained guys because that dude just went in there and threw fucking massive haymakers and would knock your ass out in a couple of seconds. I mean, well, Tank... But again, it's different when you put rules in. Well, Tank Abbott was also... He was also, what, I think a, a Division a division One Collegiate Wrestler or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know what his credentials were, but I do know that he, he wrestled in college. So. Right, but, I mean, his pedigree during his first UFC appearance... His opponent, I think, was, I forget the guy's name, but he's like a, a, a master of the Hawaiian art of bone crushing. Oh, yeah, yeah. His name was uh, John Matua. And, uh, and, right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and I know about that camp that he came from, too. And and uh, none of those fighters that came from that camp did very well in MMA. So. Right. But then Tank Abbott comes out, and the, uh, the announcer is like, and his, you know, professional credentials are over a hundred bar fights. I'm like, oh, this guy's going to get his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he turns around and he fucking beat the living hell out of the guy. But again, yeah. that was when the UFC, you know, I think the only two rules were what? No nut shots, no fish hooking. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that was, that, that was the, the glory days of the UFC. Uh, I'll say. Yeah. The only but, time I really enjoyed UFC, 
But that shows you the difference. When you put rules in, it doesn't matter how much of a badass you are, because if you're stuck to the rules, yeah, you, uh, you can still get the living shit kicked out of you. And, you know, follow up to uh, to uh, Bart Gunn a year later after winning that, because Vince McMahon wanted to be a fucking prick. Decides, well, he beat my he beat my best guy, so you know what? I'm going to put him up a, a legitimate power puncher and seasoned prize fighter in Butterbean. Oh, well, that was the that was the plan from the start. They announced it right at the beginning of Tough Enough that whoever wins this, you know, goes on to you know the final and fights Butterbean again is a <laughs> retarded. Ad. And I'm, I, and I'm 100% sure that's a Vince McMahon idea because, first off, you're putting boxers against other boxers out of their weight class. There's a reason you don't see those fights because well, they're unfair. Yeah, that, that fight, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to say they were still in the same weight class because Bart Gunn was heavy enough to be a super heavyweight. Uh, he, but um, you know, um, I think. Are you sure about his weight? Yeah, I mean, if he, if he's if he's over like two hundred and thirty five pounds, yeah, that's still that's still heavy enough. Well, to, keep keep in keep in mind that what the WWE says somebody's weight is is not their weight. I uh, mean, they used to build Hulk. They used to build Hulk Hogan at uh, I think six eight and. 325 pounds, and in reality, the dude is now after knee surgeries shorter. But at, at the time, they said six, seven, like 320 pounds. Reality was he was six, two, and probably maybe, 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 maybe pushing 300. And Bart Gunn was shorter and lighter than Hogan. And but well. And of course, he, you know, uh, looking at it strategically too, he had the reach on Butterbean because he's definitely taller. And um, of course, Butterbean said, well, if he tried to brawl with me, he would have had a better chance. But he came out and he tried to box, and that was his biggest mistake. Um, if he wanted to have another fight after that, I, I, I'm all for that. But bringing in a seasoned prize fighter, that's that's got uh, God knows how much more experience. No, that 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 that's a fucked up decision. I mean, he's lucky no, I, he he's lucky he didn't get killed in that fight. I agree completely. You know, one good shot from the head from Butterbean. Uh, I, actually, as, as I recall, I believe Bart Gunn wound up with a concussion from that fight. He did. But he's lucky. Yeah, he's lucky he didn't have his whole head caved in because the PSI on Butterbean's punches, the only reason he wasn't the greatest the greatest boxer of all time, if he was faster and, you know, 60 pounds lighter and could throw those punches like lightning, if, if that man could swing like Muhammad Ali with that much weight and force behind it. Oh, God. His, his entire career would have consisted of one punch matches. He would swing one time, connect with the head, and every fight would be over. That man was insanely strong. You know, you know who they considered though, because um, 
because I didn't hear anything about uh, Butterbean taking on the winner. I didn't see anything about that. It was Butterbean was brought in as punishment for beating the the top contenders. Uh, Mike Tyson was a consideration. You imagine it, how much more disastrous that would have been. Honestly, actually, I think it would have been less because Tyson would have hit a few body blows first and weakened him up and given him one quick headshot and it would have been, you know, done in like what was a typical Tyson fight in the late 80s, about uh, 28, 29 seconds, something like that. This would have been about uh, 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. But Tyson would have taken care of him a little bit better and not killed the guy because Tyson was better trained. That being said, you don't put an amp this is not rocky and i know that's exactly what that fucking retard vince russo was thinking is it's gonna be like rocky bro bro trust me bro bro it's gonna be like rocky i already hear the fucking pitch meeting with that fucking idiot yeah and i'm not absolving vince mcmahon in this either but vince russo's a fucking idiot well we're just about out of time for this segment, but, uh, you know, obviously this has been a fun debate. I'm not, I'm saying you're, you're on the, on, on the side that's saying this should never have happened at all. I'm, you know, and, and I can, I can see, I can understand your point. I just think it, uh, it could, if they were going to do something like this, they needed to take their time and uh, plan it out a lot better and work with people who are experienced in, uh, promoting and training in the, in the sport of boxing. My biggest thing on it is simply this. It should never have happened because you're trying to, you know, put forth a legitimate athletic competition in the middle of a business that is not, you know, uh, state-sanctioned, legitimate athletic competition with pre-done results. You're literally basically giving the middle finger to the fan and saying, well, you know, you know it's fake, we know it's fake, so fuck you, let's just throw it in your face. That's just stupid. Well, and it was not good for anybody involved. There were so many injuries. Yeah, really. So many the, injuries. Yeah, because it killed it killed several careers. Yes, yes. I mean, I mean, you can't count Darren Drozdov in that because he still wrestled a year later, and that's when his career ended. But uh, no, that was that that was another stupid decision. But yeah. it it killed it, it killed the you know twilight of uh, Doctor Death's career. It killed Bart Gunn's career. Uh, it pretty much killed Mark Merrill's career. So, you know, were the injuries and everything worth the payoff? No, because even the payoff was garbage. The only career that it helped was maybe Butterbeans, <laughs> but I'm not even buying that. <laughs> no, because Butterbean has, had already established itself and, and moved on and did big, bigger and better things beyond that, so... Exactly. So there, I mean, there, there was no reason to do this to start with. It was a bad idea from the inception, which, you know, fuck, Vince Russo had a bad idea. Film at 11. Good God, you're talking about a guy who's had, 
who's made a 30 year career on horrible, horrible, horrible decisions. <laughs> well, we could definitely agree to disagree there. I mean, I just think if it was done a bit more properly, it could have been better. But uh, then again, not having it at all, I wouldn't oppose that either, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I don't know. But hey, we can all appreciate the fact that Mark Canterbury was involved in this. <laughs> yeah, that name does And who... And, and who doesn't love and remember Mark Canterbury? I was going to say that ring doesn't that name doesn't ring a bell to me. Or Quebecer Pierre. Yeah. Or Eight Ball. Oh, okay. Now I know Jesus. you're. T- yeah. Okay. So no, I, I'm. Li- I'm I, I've literally got the bracket in front of me, and I'm looking at this, going, "God, half these people are fucking nobody." <laughs> yes. Anyway, we got to we got to cut cut this uh, segment. Uh, S- Stephen, once again, thank you very much for joining me. And this was a fun debate, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of it though we're uh, we're in the same place uh, when we when we talk about this. We both agree that it was a disaster. I agree completely. And uh, in addition, obviously, to listening to this show, if you guys really want to do a deep dive on this, and obviously, we are not making a dime off of this, but uh, there's a great television sh- show uh, on Vice TV, and I believe they also post all the episodes to YouTube called Dark Side of the Ring, and they did an entire episode on Dark Side of the Ring. So worth the watch. Uh, great interviews with uh, uh, Bart Gunn especially. Just so interesting and I even believe Vince Russo shows up in there trying to defend his dumbass. So you guys should really check that out. It's definitely worth the watch. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, Stephen, thank you so much. Anytime, Billy. Thank God you keep flying the flag and always appreciate it. And still love being part of the AOW family. Absolutely. Take care. And ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Outlaw Radio. And uh, on tap for next week is yet to be determined, but keep an eye on the Facebook and the Twitter. Go to uh, the Twitter is at Outlaw Radio ABS. Now, I just got some news and I didn't have time to put together a real tribute, but unfortunately, uh, Professional wrestling uh, superstar from the ECW days, New Jack, has passed away. And I got to say, you know, the crazy intensity that guy brought to professional wrestling will. And I don't think uh, we're going to see something like that again. New Jack, may you rest in peace. So to end the show, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, play New Jack's uh, walkout song. Of course, this is a cover of Dr. Dre and Ice Cube's Natural Born Killers by F.M. Racket. That's going to do it for this edition of Outlaw Radio, and I shall be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio.
in mind stick with a heart full of terror I see the devil in the mirror Lights out Cause when I grab my sword off Niggas is all the Dance your motherfucking glass Take your fucking heart out your chest See a put the let the hammer go click On my tech nine So if you try to rip my food it's your bedtime Feel the blast from my hunky bomber If a red ain't red your head Like your name was Sarah O'Connor Decapitation I ain't hesitating To put you in a funeral home With a bullet in your dome I'm hot like mama You got a problem? I got a problem solver And his name is Mamaba It's like a deadly game of freeze tag you with the 44 mag And you're frozen inside a body bag Nobody killer Then it's graveyard filler Cap filler Cause I'm a natural born killer My era. Now I can't hang around my mama cause I scare her I want the baddest motherfucker It feels like I'm busting it up When I open you up Cause your body is exposed to the midnight mist All we motherfuckers get my ring of kiss Cause I'm giving dirt naps Coming with that dirt ass wax To make your lungs collapse Perhaps you never sleep Cause every time you're done Just exposed to the motherfucking dome Ain't see the sun in 66 days Let me count the ways in a fucked up maze Cause I'm down with K, like you see it's down with OJ So fuck how you're living, I'm the cycle tripping, unforgiving murderer Don't panic, don't panic, god damn it, can't stand it, schizophrenic So fuck Charlie Manson, snatch him out of truck, hit him with a brick and I'm dancing Mass Trying to trick mine Cause both motherfuckers wanna violate Now they're skipping gold And if people don't dilate So much pain My brain headache I can hear it from the brain He stepped in a single door Got his ass whipped with 20 lashes Like they do up in Singapore So I'ma pull a fucking Debbie Dollar Now it's good sight Just like a Tick tock, tock, tick tock, tick It's the fucking six squad on some murdering shit Keeping niggas in order Making their life shorter Ready to slaughter Listen to me, I'm like they want the border of a dime First one's got my mind Hallucinating, ain't no debating I'm creating an escape route To be out without a doubt Scott free, so don't even think about trying to stop me I can't wait, I'm out the gate On a gorilla, a gorilla for my natural Hey everyone, Bad Billy here. Do you own a business? Or perhaps you're in a band. Or maybe you run a radio show or podcast. Whatever you do, 
You want to market your brand with custom-made apparel. Look no further than fresh-baked tees. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from fresh-baked tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. If you've been searching for a show that talks about what's trending in the world, entertainment gossip, stupid news, and more, sizzling talk radio that is not dumbed or watered down, a show that is not for pussies, then you need to stop searching and check out The Charles Richardson Show. It's uncensored talk radio. No crybabies. No losers. No fucktards. Charles Richardson and crew bring it 100% with real opinions. If you can't take it, Get the fuck out. You can even call the show and flap your gums, provided you have a brain. For the 411 stations and showtimes, like The Charles Richardson Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Charles Richardson Show. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. The Charles Richardson Show. You want some? Come get some. threat is real. You sit in meetings with advisors and operatives who tell you there could be Islamic sleeper cells in every major American community. You know the southern border is a welcome map for terrorists to enter our towns and neighborhoods at will. You know about their plots to kill us in our shopping malls, our sports stadiums, and our office buildings. You won your office by talking like a champion of freedom. Now it's time to act like one. Pass a national right to carry law that guarantees my constitutional right to defend myself, my family, and my fellow Americans anywhere inside our borders. And make sure the enemies of freedom know the power of freedom. No law-abiding Americans should be forced to face evil with empty hands. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too. No matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. 
visit our official website at OutlawRadioABS.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Here I am sitting on a porch writing another song about Waylon Willie David Allen Cole. You can't go wrong. Such great outlaw boys just like me. George Jones Can't go wrong 